As our little ones head to worship and wonder, we give thanks for the gift of family. I got to tell you, this being the first time that the kids have been up front since I've been here, um, that's a joy. That is a real joy um, to get to experience. So we're grateful for that. We have two scripture lessons this day. The first comes from the prophet Jeremiah. Before I read from that text, I invite you to join me in a word of prayer. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving spirit, fall afresh on us in these moments. Fall afresh on us and quiet any voice within us but your own, that we might hear your word for us this day, and that in hearing, we might be called to lead lives of response. So may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Hear the prophet's words this day. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up from David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. So if you're joining us for the first time in a while, or if you've never visited Idlewild before, um, I want you to know that we're kicking off a new worship series that's going to take us all the way through this season of Advent as we prepare for the coming of the Christ child, but we also prepare for the coming of Christ in our lives and in the world. The name of this series is Do You Hear What I Hear? And so we'll move through each of the different Gospels and we'll get a glimpse, we'll listen for what it is that that gospel writer is trying to communicate by how they tell the story of the coming of Jesus Christ. How is it that they begin the gospel together? You know, there's different ways that we can grow in our knowledge of Scripture. There's different ways that we can teach our children about Scripture. There are ways that are very specific. We can study Scripture together. Uh, We can open to a, a letter of Paul or to a particular passage and commit it to memory or spend time wrestling with all of its implications. We can also grow in our knowledge of Scripture, our biblical literacy, by understanding some general arcs of Scripture. Often when we do studies of Scripture, um, we go more specific. So I think it might be helpful for us in this season of Advent to go with that general arc of a text. It should go without saying that, that different voices are important for us to listen to, diverse voices in our lives. They help to, to shape our understanding of the world, our knowledge of ourselves and the world around us, the people around us. Um, and so what we'll do in Advent is we'll listen for those unique voices. The Gospel of Mark begins our time together in that study. So I invite you to hear these words from Mark, the first chapter, verses 1 through 11. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness 
proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him and a voice from heaven said, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Amen. So it should go without saying that different perspectives are important, but often in scripture, we, we want to imagine that there is only one way of communicating the gospel. But it turns out if we look at the arc of all the, the gospels, we have We have different voices. They articulate this good news in a different way, and they begin the telling of that story in different ways as well. I love hiking. I love going out to the American West. I've spent a good amount of time out there, and it seems to me that there's there's this image in the Teton Mountains uh, that is helpful for us as we begin our study. Uh, Has anybody been to the Teton Mountain Range before, hiked it before? We got a handful of, yeah, good stuff. Um, So what's interesting uh, about this range itself is is the way it looks, depending on the angle that you come at it from, right? So if you are to approach the the mountain range from the Wyoming side, then you'll see this beautiful series of, of lakes right there to the east of the range. And then the range just climbs almost from nothing to the sky, jagged edges, peering into God's creation. And so if you only came and hiked at it or came to it from the Wyoming side, that would be what you imagine the mountain range looks like. But if you come at it from the Idaho side, something very different. There's this, there's this long build that happens. You have to not just go over some water, but you spend time gradually climbing to those peaks. So if If you were to only come at it from from that side, from from the Idaho side of the Tetons, then you would think that perhaps this is uh, not not as majestic, maybe. Maybe it's not as uh, as spectacular to look at. But it but it has something else of value to it. It takes longer to get to the top, and the view is extraordinary. I was out there a couple years ago and had the opportunity to, to come at those mountains from, from either side. And what I saw is that when I'm able to do that, when I can look at something from two, at least two different perspectives and probably even more, and I can grasp, I can grasp, I'll pause. Okay. I want to pray for whoever those folks are heading to right now. You can grasp the gravity of what it is that you are standing upon, right? In a different way, you can appreciate it. That's what happens when we read the four different gospel accounts. 
the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Mark, it turns out, is the earliest of the gospel writers. That wasn't thought to be the case for a long time. Just actually in the last hundred years or a little bit more, we we figured out that, that Mark is the earliest of the Gospels. We figured this out um, in, from a couple of different things, but we, we figured it out because of the way in which he speaks about something that happened around 70, the year 70. Uh, there was a great conflict at that time. Uh, he speaks of that, and he speaks to it in a way that one would know that it was written in that time. So Mark presents the first account He is the first author that says the story of our Savior Jesus Christ needs to be written down somewhere. I need to put pen to parchment paper. I need to begin to take all these stories that I've heard now some four decades after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I need to start putting them down on parchment. That means that Mark has a different view of things than the other gospel writers. I want to present uh, a bit of alliteration this morning for you. Sometimes they seem a little kitschy, and and sometimes they might be helpful for you if you're trying to grow in your knowledge of Scripture. There are three S's that, that Mark presents for us. He presents the significance of simplicity, the significance of suffering, and the significance of the right starting point. Simplicity, suffering, and a starting point. Mark's is the shortest gospel, only 16 chapters. This will be the shortest of the sermons that I'll give in this season of Advent. And we'll keep this one simple. Often, we try to make faith in Jesus very, very complicated, very complex. Presbyterians are very good at doing that, actually. We'll create committees and subcommittees to do all sorts of different things. Uh, we will create bureaucracy upon um, bureaucracy, right, to make decisions for us. If you're not Presbyterian, you don't get the joke, that's okay. Uh, but we have a way of complicating things for ourselves. But Mark presents a different way of believing and following in Jesus Christ. It is a distilled way, a simplistic, straightforward way. What you don't hear at the beginning of the gospel of Mark is what? You do not hear about the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. You do not hear about a manger or stars or angels singing in the sky. You don't hear about shepherds. You don't hear about there not being room at the inn. You don't hear any of that. Instead, Mark starts in a different way. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then he jumps straight to the prophetic word. He connects Jesus to the prophet Isaiah. Actually, he connects John the Baptist to the prophet Isaiah. There's going to be one who's going to come and make straight in the desert a way for God to move through the world. There will be one crying out in that wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And John the Baptist does that with camel hair around himself and a leather belt and some wild honey and locusts. It's the shortest of the Gospels. It's also the most straightforward in its language. It's beautiful in its simplicity. Mark unpacks simply from the very beginning the story that you are about to hear and read. It is about the Savior of the world, the one that has come to save not you and not just me, but all people. Because this one is the Son of God. 
There's something beautiful about the simplicity of this gospel. And maybe you need to hear that this morning. Perhaps you enjoy diving deep into the deep theological questions of our day and our time. And that's good and beautiful. And you have a home here at Idlewild if you want to do that. But perhaps sometimes for you, you need the more simple truths. That the one that has brought us here this day is indeed the Son of God. One that has come to save the entire creation. So there's a significance in the simplicity of this gospel. There's also significance in the suffering that Mark outlines, perhaps more so than any of the other gospels. Jesus foretells in the gospel of Mark the necessity of suffering. Three times he tries to let the disciples know and the people who are listening know what is going to happen to him. Three times they do not get it. That's another theme in the gospel of Mark. The image of the suffering servant is perhaps more pronounced in this gospel than any other gospel. This suffering, though, is not just to to lead to a gory understanding of God or God's creation. It is to lead us and to expose a few things. It's to lead us first. It's to lead us first to this understanding that this gospel understanding that any suffering is no match for the power of God. That God is stronger than any suffering that the world can inflict upon the Savior and upon itself. Jesus is a suffering servant in this gospel so that you might know and that the world might know in our suffering we have companionship. In our suffering we have Faith in a God who can overcome that with the healing balm of forgiveness and new life. So perhaps this day you came with a heavy heart, navigating something that can can barely be articulated. The Gospel of Mark would tell you that even in your suffering, or perhaps particularly in your suffering, Jesus meets you there. Whether that be loneliness or exclusion, whether it be pain inflicted by someone really close to you or pain that you have inflicted. The Gospel of Mark tells us that there is a significance in suffering and that Christ can be found there. So there's significance in simplicity, there's significance in suffering, and finally there's significance in how we start our stories. What is the starting point? We have John the Baptist clothed in camel's hair, eating honey and wild locusts. He pronounces that there will be one who will come after him, that he is not even worthy to to lean down and untie his sandals. He says, there is one that is coming. I baptize you with water. There's one that's going to come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This baptism that you're experiencing here, it's, it's nothing compared to what is going to happen. And then we have this amazing scene. Jesus goes down into the water, and as he comes up, the skies break open. The skies break open, and then something like a dove, that would be the Spirit of God, descends upon him. And then we hear a voice that echoes from the heavens. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. 
their significance to the starting point of the Gospel of Mark because sometimes we imagine that faith has to start from a place of, of brokenness. That first we have to somehow acknowledge um, the terribleness of the world or of humanity or of creation. But that's not how the Gospel of Mark starts. The Gospel of Mark starts with belovedness. The sky opens up, the dove comes down, and then a voice that says, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Two stories, we'll keep them quick. You might have noticed when I came about nine months ago, I started to address you as beloved. The question was raised at some point just a few weeks in, beloved, he doesn't even know us. How, how can he address us as beloved? Because Christ addresses you as beloved. God addresses you as beloved. Before you can be known even, you are given an identity of belovedness, just as the Son of God, Christ was, as those waters, as those waters were broken, as his body went down into him, and then the skies were torn apart. You may have been told that you have another identity in this world that supersedes that identity. You were told a lie. The truth is that you are first and foremost and forever identified as beloved by God. There is no other identity that supersedes that identity. None. None that the world gives you. None that, that people at your work or even at home give you. You are beloved. There is no name that the church can give you or any other institution can give you besides beloved because that is what you are called by God. That is the beginning of your story because it is the beginning of the story of our Savior. The one whom Jesus called Abba, Father, speaks from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. In staff meeting each week, we do Lectio Divina, and uh, we, we read through the text together. We ask for different reflections from our staff members about what this text brings up for them. Jenny Brooks mentioned one this week. She said she remembers this text being preached in the chapel some years ago. This text from the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. See, Montgomery was preaching there in that chapel. And instead of giving a normal blessing to end that time, he walked down the aisle that day, looked at all 30, 40, 50 people that were in that space, and he said, you are beloved. With you, God is well pleased. With you, God is well pleased. With you, God is well pleased. Each person, looking them in the eyes, over and over. With you, God is well pleased. It strikes me that the Gospel of Mark, the author of the Gospel, wants you to know, before we get into the rest of this story, which is going to be amazing, you're going to read about things you, you could never imagine being done in the world, saved by the power of God. But before we get to that, you need to have the right posture in your reading. You need to have the right posture in your learning. You need to have the right posture as we move towards this story that will change the entire world. You need to know that your starting point is forever and always beloved in the eyes of God. We're going to spend the next few weeks 
moving through the other Gospels. We'll go through Matthew and, and Luke and John. Each are going to give you a different perspective on, on what it is that these authors want you to hear and see about Jesus Christ. But know this, the earliest of the Gospels, the one written only a few decades after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, begins with a word from heaven, torn apart, and a voice that clearly speaks, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are my child, you are the beloved, and with you I am well pleased. So may the simplicity and the suffering that is overcome by the power of God and this starting point that we have this day lead us and guide us on this Advent journey. May it be so this day and every day. Amen.